everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to our final episode on the Old Testament. Tomorrow we'll be getting into the New Testament, and so we have been on this journey for quite a while, and today it is ending in the book of Malachi. And for the four chapters that are here, there is a lot packed into this thing. We're going to talk about apostasy. We're going to talk about what offerings are acceptable to God and what offerings are offensive to God. We're going to be talking about marriage and divorce. We're going to be talking about filling up the storehouses and being rewarded for our giving. And then we're going to talk (laughs) about this messenger and also this Elijah guy. And then God will be quiet for like 400 years in the silent years. So this is no small task today. So I really appreciate the book of Malachi because there is so much packed into these four chapters. It's like a short read, but you don't feel like you're walking away with like one tiny thing. There's like several nuggets of like, oh my goodness, that weighs heavy. Um, But what's interesting about the book is the way that it is, um, the way that it's written is like this conversation between the people and God um, and just these, like, they, they're they considered disputes between God and the people. Um, and it's really interesting how it gives us this, like, two-sided conversation of how the Israelites feel like, well, God's turning his back on us. And then God reassures them, like, hey, you guys are falling short. Um, yes, there's going to be judgment, but I'm never going to leave you. Um, so it's like this weird conversation back and forth, back and forth. And it does hit on several like crazy, crazy different things. So make sure you actually listen to uh, the reading today, because I think it like we can talk all we want, but listening to the actual words. God's words are always more important than our words. Always. So just so everybody understands where we're at, this is the last book of the Old Testament. We already said that, but chronologically, it actually is. Like, this is the the last thing that's written. Uh, It is about these Jews that have returned from exile. They've returned from Babylon. They're in Jerusalem. It's evident that the reforms of Nehemiah are taking place. That's why they talk so much about marriage. Uh, But it's also obvious that they are not doing so hot. So (laughs) last in Nehemiah, we talked about how they were starting to take their faith seriously. Uh, Now we're seeing that that has not stuck very well. And so it's widely believed that Malachi was written sometime shortly after the the Nehemiah-Ezra narrative. Uh, and it could be as early as like, you know, almost exactly the same time because it's dealing with similar concepts. So Malachi chapter 1 is going to talk about how it's great that they're offering sacrifices, but they're bringing all these janky animals. So, Well, there's a callback, too, to yeah. um, Jacob and Esau. Yeah. And it talks a little bit about in that first paragraph before it even gets into their offerings. Like, Israel's almost just like this sad little kid in the corner, like, do you even love me anymore? Like, do you even care about me? And God's like, yo, I, like, required certain things of you, and you brought these ridiculous offerings thinking that, like, like, I didn't see them. Would you offer these things to the governor? Would you give somebody who can see physically right in front of you these things? He's like, I see all of it. I see that you're bringing your sheep that don't have an eye. I see your sheep that are lame or whatever. Um, and so God is very um, upfront about their <laughs> their silliness. Like, of course, I still love you. You also need to bring me your best. 
they are aware of this, uh, and this is kind of like in the history, not necessarily in the text, but these people would have been under heavy Persian taxes. Mm. And so when he says, would you bring that goat to the governor? It's not a hypothetical situation. Yeah. It's a real situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you're taking everything you're supposed to to the Persians, and yet you're cheating me because you're like giving me these janky animals. <laughs> so when we offer things to God, we're supposed to bring our first and our best. And actually that that guideline gets even stiffer in the New Testament when it is like we are supposed to give to support whatever need exists. So in the Old Testament, it's like one-tenth starting with the first and the best. That's the tithe. In the New Testament, it's like just give and give and give to support whatever is needed and whatever is going on mm-hmm. to build God's kingdom and support God's work. And so the the first chapter is all about this nonsense that people are trying to bring to God. I just get this vision of this guy that's like trying to hide the fact that his like lamb can't even walk and has one eye. And it's like, here, I'm bringing my best to God. Uh, <laughs> but if you couldn't see me, I like definitely like made a huge eye roll. Like, oh, that's so annoying. But it makes sense because we do it too. But don't we do the same yes, thing where it's yes. like, I mean, we literally hand our, our faith that way. Like, well, I went to church. That's pretty cool. And God's like, what? What are you talking what about? What about that crazy crap you were doing last night or the, the other day or whatever? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What about the fact that you just used the word crap? Oh, my oh, word. My Maybe word. you better confess that. Anyway, so that's the first <laughs> of the several. Like we, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but this book is broken down into like disputes. Yeah. Okay. So that would be like the first one yep. of the many disputes. The second dispute is that these people literally will not stay married at all. Um, <laughs> this comes out of some of the ref- reforms from ne- Nehemiah because Ezra and Nehemiah were teaching the people like you cannot be married to foreign women. That is prohibited by the law because of worship, not because of nationality. Uh, and it seems like people are kind of taking this period of reform like out of hand. Well, I don't, I, I don't remember if you just said it or not, but this is against like unjust divorce. That's what you said. But 100%. also that intermarrying with unbelievers exactly like that, kind of what we talked about the other day exactly and so they get they get really loose with how they're handling divorce which i think is interesting because there's a lot of questions about divorce to jesus in the new testament mm-hmm. and if you consider that this is the book that was the most recent book it was only about 400 years old at jesus time it makes sense that they'd be concerned about divorce because that is a theme in this book and so malachi is basically saying like hey God wants you to take your marriage seriously. Your marriage is a covenant. You keep that covenant. You don't just get divorced willy-nilly and make everybody adulterers. Mm-hmm. Actually, just uh, just kidding about the first dispute earlier. That was first and second. This is yeah. third. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> so you had mentioned earlier that chapter three really stood out to you. Yeah, I just, I really like it because there's this language that's being used about a messenger preparing the way for me. So chapter three opens up about this messenger of the Lord And it says, behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And that is so cool to me because it's like, who do we know that comes? Like God in human form, Jesus. That's so cool. I love that. It's like, it's like, it's almost as if we're hearing like Jesus speaking these words when they refer to the Lord. Is that like a thing that to me is just like, that's so cool. Well, I mean. God is three in one. Yes, but like that reference is referring to Jesus coming. So that is like, it like gives me goosebumps. It's so cool. But then um, we keep going down and it in verse two, it just like really emphasizes the importance of it. Verse two says, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? 
for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. So it's basically saying like, you guys have messed up. Like the sacrifices aren't pleasing to me, but there is someone who is coming. And when he comes, he will refine you like a refiner's fire, uh, which is even more so reiterated in verse five of chapter three. Uh, Because he says, as he's going to be refining the people of their sin, it says, verse 5, then I will draw near to you. So we have like this image of the Lord coming to draw near to us because he loves us. But these words are like the real kicker. It says, I will draw near to you for judgment. Like what? We're like in a world today where it's like, oh, the Lord's going to draw near to you and he's going to love you and he's going to see you through your sin. Well, yes. But I think we so easily and so like, I don't know, we just are so quick to dismiss the fact that there is judgment. Like he is the refiner, meaning that you have to be rid of all impurities to live in right relationship with God. It can't just be, come to me, I'm going to love you regardless of all the things that you were up to and are still up to. It's, I'm going to love you and I'm going to purify you of the things that you're going to let go of right here, right now to turn to live a different way. And that's crazy to me. Uh, Chapter three also contains the passages that are the favorite passages of like any prosperity preacher or any like, I don't know, (laughs) sketchy people that want want you to give them tons of money. Pause. The one, the, the thing that I was just talking about, that would be considered the fourth dispute. I think that's worth mentioning. Okay. Um, because it's basically saying, is God just or unjust? And he is just for judging. Yeah. Um, and then it moves into, uh, pretty quickly, uh, this fifth dispute about taking away from the Lord. Okay, so this is, this is an issue, I think, that requires a lot of wisdom and discernment. I want to be clear on a couple of things. Like, you should be giving to God. You should be giving to God your first your best, and oftentimes over and above 10% of what you have. And you can be comfortable hearing that from me because I'm not telling you to give that money to me. Like, (laughs) I don't have, like, ulterior motives here. So God does require us to give. Everything that we have comes from God, and it's kind of silly to hoard it for ourselves and not give it back. And so in Malachi 3, um, the, the language that's used is actually like theft, like you are robbing from God because you are keeping the things that he has given you and you are not returning the percentage that he requires. And God does promise that if you were to do this, if you were to put me to the test, so God's actually like, hey, I'll prove it. Like, I'll show you. He's saying, if you give to me what I require, I will bless you abundantly because of what I will do and how I will care for you. And this is in a time of Persian taxation. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not even fair to say that they weren't experiencing any kind of like exterior <laughs> They were feeling pressures. it. They were feeling it. And God was saying, put me to the test. So this is cool. This is a blessing from God. And it is a promise from God, I think, that when you give what he requires, he will bless you and care for you. Does that look like Lamborghinis and jets and like... You know, lots and lots lottery and lots tickets. of money. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I, it's not to say that there's not like really successful, really well off, financially successful believers. There are. So I, I laid the groundwork there. Like these things are true. I think the thing that requires a lot of wisdom and discernment is that also people who are fakes 
and want to take your money and take advantage of your faith so that they can be rich, love this verse and this chapter and these passages, and they will promise you a bunch of nonsensical things to take advantage of you. Our study Bible says, God promises to meet all of their needs, but not necessarily all of their wishes. This is not a promise of wealth in return for obedience. Exactly. And I think that's where we get hung up. Like, that's the same verse that we'll see in the New Testament. Like, God provides everything that those cute little birds outside need. Like, they have the food they need to survive because God provides it. And, like, they're just a dumb bird. Like, when we give to the Lord, he's going to provide for us. If that looks like, you know a pound of beef in the refrigerator or like $20 that we're going to use for something that we weren't anticipating, God's going to provide for us. Uh, But it may not always look or feel like what we want it to. So I think the thing to be really careful about here is one, God does tell us to give. So you can't look at these passages and be like, nope, I'm not giving. That's wrong. (laughs) Um, Two, people love to take advantage of this. So I think it's really, really important to look at fruit, And see, like, okay, like, what is this ministry producing? Like, what is coming out of these people who are asking for my money? What are they planning on using my money to do? There are many, many ministries that are using these passages to enrich themselves, and it is wrong. They are evil shepherds. And there are many, many ministries that do not have, like really fancy looking people with really persuasive looking language that are doing really good work and they need help. Mm -hmm. And it would be really good for you to like give to them and to help them. And so there's a, there's a real balance here. There's a real wisdom here because I do not want to encourage you to be disobedient to God, but I also don't want to encourage you to be obedient to somebody who is definitely trying to sell you snake oil and take advantage of you. (laughs) Uh, Silly little plug, and I think I can do it just because we're definitely going to go over it a little bit in this episode because Malachi is just so packed. But recently, uh, we've been teaching our kids in in homeschool. We've been learning about George Mueller, and it's been so interesting, even the impact that that has had on our children, because George Mueller was a man who always went to God with his needs. Never did he go out and like say, hey, I need your money or hey, I need help. Uh, He ran like an orphanage for for young kids and obviously had many, 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 many needs in order to run said orphanage. Um, But there are stories after stories that we learn about where he would just consistently go to the Lord and ask for his provisions and his deliverance from crazy situations. And there were things that happened, like they were provided for. There was actually a man who wanted to give him money in a check. And he was just like, you know what? I'm not going to take this because I know that God's going to provide things that we need. And I'm so thankful. I don't want to become reliant on what you're giving. So like, it's just that that idea that like we are giving to the Lord and he will provide for us. So it's just like, it's a really cool thing. Our our kids love it. I think they do. Yeah, <laughs> it's an encouragement to us and <laughs> really discerning themselves. <laughs> uh, makes us feel a little. We so it, it's just do. super important to be obedient to God. He does want you to give your first and best, mm-hmm. and also be with be extremely wise with where you're giving it. Um, I think even I would go so far as to say, like, you should probably have some level of relationship with who you're giving things to, mm-hmm. so that you know, like what it's going towards. And that's extra credit. That's not the word of the Lord. That's just like, man, like I want to be obedient. I want to give the money that I'm supposed to give, but I also want to know that it's actually being used to build God's kingdom and not somebody's new house or new wing or new car. Um, 
you might have a problem with that, you can let me know in the comments. You can email us. That's <laughs> fine. I'm open to discussion on it. Uh, but I, I just really care about handling this passage well and carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we move into chapter four. And chapter four talks about the great coming day of the Lord. And chapter four also says in verse five, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And this is a great segue into the New Testament because John the Baptist is out there calling people to repentance. And they're saying, hey, are you the promised one? And he says, no, uh, I'm the prophet Elijah who's saying Mm. to come to prepare the way. And why was he saying those things? Because this is the book that people were reading and trying to figure out what was going on because the Lord was silent for 400 years. So the book of Malachi is packed. I think you can have a little bit of your part buffet today. Just pick through anything we talked about. Um, There's so much in here and apply it to your life. Tomorrow, uh, we'll be opening up the book of Luke as well as the book of John. So we'll see you then. And we're excited to have completed the Old Testament with you. I hope you have grown a lot in your faith and understanding of God. Uh, I know we certainly have, and we're enjoying this uh, journey with you. We'll be back in tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Malachi chapter one, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, We are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, They may build, but I will tear down, and they will call the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord, beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, How have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, How have we polluted you? by saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place of incense will be offered to my name a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, What a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick, and this is what you bring as an offering. 
Shall I accept that from your hand? Says the Lord. Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Chapter 2 And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring, and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He turned many from iniquity, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife, but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and do not be faithless. Chapter 3 Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to this temple. And the message of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like the fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord." Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then it will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, again those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. 
But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you and your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke and devour for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field that shall not fail to bear witness, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be the land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him who, was feared, who had feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Chapter 4 For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will stumble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet, on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statues and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.